Well, good morning once again. Wow. Y'all are really bad at this. Let, <laughs> let, me, let me just say something. I, I, I want to say something. I'm a, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a quote for, for y'all next week because it was, it was read to us at our pastor's meeting on, I think it was on Tuesday we read this quote, and it was really just uh, mind-blowing. But, you know, we as, as Christians, right, we, we have this hope, we have this joy, this, this love, this excitement within us. And I wonder how often we forget about that. We allow life to beat us down. We allow our tiredness to beat us down. And, and then when we interact with people and we're trying to share the good news and, and tell them how amazing Jesus is, and then they're met with sort of like, yeah, it's all right. I'm going, I've been going to church my whole life, and God, God is good. God is good. And th- that's just not very exciting. I mean, who, who, who is going to want to make groundbreaking changes to their life in order to come to that? And I, I, I don't want to say this to beat you up or to shame you. I'm guilty of this as well. But I just, I just want to plant that seed in, in your heart that as we go through life, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. And sometimes it's less about our words, but more about our demeanor that really gets people to perk up and say, there's something different about that. That, That's something I I want. And so, yeah, next week I'll, I'll have a really, really powerful and convicting quote that I, that I want to share with you all next week. But in the meantime, you know, as I, as I share this message, it is okay. I want to give you the, the permission. If you agree with anything I say or you're impacted by something I say, let, let me know. Just, just say amen. A, a hearty amen is more than fine. And I will say that for me, it's, it's encouraging. It lets me know that, that y'all are listening, that y'all are tracking with me. And, um, and if you don't want to say amen for, for my benefit, well, just let God know that, yes, I like this message. Yes, God, I like your word. Okay, so a little bit earlier, I was talking to Brandon, and he had, he'd made this comment. He, he touched on it in his prayer, but he just said, you know, the, the older that I get, the more I realize that relationships are everything in this life. Relationships are everything in this life. And I agree. I agree. And I, I, I hope that we can see that through this sermon this morning as well. It's entitled, Love God, Love Your Neighbor, with the subtitle, Don't Throw Out the Baby with the Bathwater. Throw out the baby with the bathwater. Uh, has anybody heard that? Have you heard this before? Yeah, yeah. It's a German proverb, and the earliest printed reference to it is seen in Thomas Muirner's satirical work, Appeal to Fools. This was written all the way back in 1512. And Muirner wrote in German, of course, but we hardly need a translator here because he was nice enough to include a woodcut illustration to accompany the proverb. The expression was part of everyday German language from that point onward. 
but it didn't emerge in English until about the 19th century. And this, this phrase, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, it's an idiom, an idiom. Idioms are words or phrases that aren't meant to be taken literally. So the meaning of the idiom, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, translate to don't discard something valuable while tossing out something undesirable. So why am I using this idiom as a subtitle for my sermon today? I'll answer that question, but first, I wanna talk about law and grace. In the book of Romans, Paul had this to say, Romans 10:4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Keeping the law does not make us righteous. Keeping the law does not save us. Jesus alone makes us righteous. Jesus alone saves us. And then he wrote in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, one of my favorite texts in all of scripture, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So our works do not save us. We, we cannot do anything to earn God's love, to earn God's favor. Salvation is a gift from God. And the grace of God, this amazing gift, it, it leads to forgiveness, which in turn leads to salvation. You believe it. You accept it by faith. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Salvation comes from God's mercy on sinners. We're, we're, we're all sinners. We all, we all fit into that. Amen. It's not about our good works outweighing our bad. And John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our salvation thankfully is rooted grounded in the love of God. Romans 6:14 For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace. But Paul he doesn't leave it there. He continues into verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. And so this right here, this is where we get back to that idiom. Don't throw out the baby with the bath water. Legalism is bad and it should be thrown out. But the law is good. And it shouldn't be thrown out. So with that in mind, let's look at this idiom. In the context of what we were talking about, legalism is like that dirty bathwater, and God's holy law is like the baby that we don't want to throw out. So we've got to be careful that we don't throw out the law, 
while throwing out legalism or this idea that we can work our way to salvation, work our way into God's love or his favor. I believe that is oftentimes easier said than done. Easier said than done. I mean, we as humans, we like to do things and we like, we like getting credit for the things that we do. And I think that's why, why Paul talked about that concept of boasting. You know, it's not about works. That way you won't boast about it. Because Paul, being a human, he knew the human condition. And the things that we can boast about, we will find ways to boast about. So I think that um, this is easier said than done because of a, a lack of understanding of what the law is for. What is the law for? But thankfully, Paul, he makes it pretty clear in Romans 7. Romans 7, verse 7, when he wrote, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So first off, Paul is is saying that the law is not sin. The law is not sin. The law is good. The purpose of the law is not to make us good by keeping it, but to show us what sin is. We're not left to, to guess. The law, it's like a mirror. It's like a mirror. Let, let's say that you have some dirt on your face and you're not around anybody else. Nobody else is around to, to let you know that you've got dirt on your face, how are you going to know? How are you going to know? You look in a mirror, and you can see the dirt. You can now see your reflection, see the dirt on your face, but just looking in the mirror, it doesn't clean your face. You've got to grab a washcloth. You've got to turn on the water, maybe get a little soap, depending on how dirty your face is, and then wipe the dirt off your face. Owning a mirror does not clean your face. Though, I mean, if somebody created a mirror that you could just look into and have your face clean, they would be a billionaire overnight, right? How great would that be? Just look in the mirror and your face is clean. Look in the mirror and your, your, your face is shaved. Looking in the mirror does not clean your face. The, the mirror only tells you that your face is dirty. Knowing the law does not magically just remove sin from your life. Reading the law does not remove sin from your life. Placing a a, a Ten Commandments plaque in your home or in your front yard does not make your home clean. Even keeping the Ten Commandments doesn't make you clean. No, the Ten Commandments simply point out sin and show us all that we're dirty. We're dirty. But once you realize how dirty you are and you know that you can't clean up the mess on your own that should lead you to Jesus. The law is good. It leads us to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can make you clean. 
He's the only one. Paul believes this. He tells us in Galatians 3.24, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The law doesn't justify us, but that also doesn't mean that we just throw it out. The law shows us our sin and leads us to Jesus so that he can justify us, so that he can make us clean. Paul continues into verse 25. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We are no longer under the law. We are under Christ through faith. If you live by the law, you will be judged and you will die by the law. Romans 3.23, it tells us that we have all sinned, every single one of us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our salvation or damnation are no longer predicated on the law. But does that mean that the law is bad? Does that mean that the law should be thrown out? Does that mean the law should be ignored? Paul over and over and over said, God forbid. God forbid you come to that sort of conclusion. When we understand the right purpose of the law, it is a good thing. The law points out our sin. It reminds us of our utter need for Jesus because he brings the cleansing. It shows us the power of God's grace and forgiveness over the power of sin and death. Breaking the law equates to sin, but God has called us higher. He's given us a higher calling. We do not keep the law in order to be saved. We follow the law because we are saved. And God's spirit is the one that gives us power in our lives. This is one of those areas where we don't need to be tempted to boast. Because when you've overcome that bad habit, when you've gained that victory over some cherished sin, you don't get to take the credit. We don't get to take the credit. All of the credit goes back to God. And the fact that his spirit is willing to work inside of us to change us from the inside out. Like Pastor Ellie mentioned earlier, to clean our hearts and not just clean it, but give us a new heart. Because our stony hearts don't like to change. Our stony hearts want to take all the credit. But the heart that God wants to place in us is in an admittance that we don't have the power, we don't have the ability to clean ourselves, but we know the God who can and does. Confusion about the law is nothing new. We, we saw that when Cass read our scripture reading earlier, that someone came to Jesus, someone who was an expert in the law, came to Jesus and questioned him about the law. And Jesus, he, 
he broke down the entire law into two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. Why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say this? I believe that the next two verses can help us as to why. 1 Peter 4, 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. What some of us might not realize here is that Peter didn't just come up with this idea himself. Peter is actually quoting from the Old Testament. Proverbs 10, 12, it says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Love is the most powerful thing in the entire universe. Love brings people together. Love can cause a person to lay down their life for someone else. Love brought Jesus into this world, and love caused Jesus to break down societal barriers that caused separation and pain and strife. Love gave Jesus the power to go through the torture and the eventual death on the cross. Love did that. And the Bible tells us that God is love. So if Jesus said that the Ten Commandments could be easily understood as love for God and love for others, that's relationship that we're talking about here then how could anyone say that the Ten Commandments are bad or unimportant? The Ten Commandments may not save us, but they can show us how to better love others, how to have better relationships in this life with our neighbor, that is everybody else around us, and with God. So if you will give me just a few more minutes of your time, I'd like to zero in on the Ten Commandments. I have found over the years that when talking to people about the Ten Commandments, I often hear two, if if they respond negatively, I often hear two different types of negative responses. One is that the Ten Commandments are, they're outdated They're hard to understand. They're not easily applicable in today's world. And the second negative response is that the commandments themselves are just too focused on negativity, too focused on the negative. And now, while I will admit that nowadays people tend to react better to positive affirmations than negative ones, for instance, Which of these is more helpful to you? If I say, don't eat junk food, or I say, eat more vegetables. If I say, don't drink soda, or I say, drink more water. If I say, don't be lazy, or I say, exercise more. (laughs) I, I think you get my drift here. 
And with that being said, I, I felt compelled to look at the Ten Commandments and try to see if we could break them down in a way that is easier to be understood and applied in the 21st century and to, to put a, a positive twist on them. And don't, hear, don't, don't mishear me. I'm not saying that we need to rewrite the Ten Commandments. But I'm hoping, that, I'm hoping this little exercise can help us to see that the law is good, that it's applicable, and it's really not that negative or hard to understand. According to Jesus, the first four commandments had to do with our love for God our love toward God. And here's, here's what I came up with. Commandment number one, make God first in your life. Make God first in your life. Commandment number two, worship God alone. Number three, represent the name of God in a positive way. How many times have you had a conversation with somebody and upon them finding out that you are a Christian, they start assuming all of these crazy things about you because of what they have seen other Christians do. Have you ever had that experience? They start saying, well, you as a Christian, you believe this, and you do this, and you don't, you don't stand up for this. And you have to sort of walk them back like, whoa, 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 what are we talking about? I don't believe any of that stuff. I don't do that stuff. I don't support that stuff. Oftentimes, if I'm, I'm, I'm talking to somebody who is an atheist, usually the reason why they say that they are an atheist, it, it, it usually boils down to something along the lines of, well, I just cannot believe in a God who is supposedly about love but wants to torture people for ceaseless eternities in hell. I was like, oh, well, I don't believe in that God either. I guess we can agree on that. And usually it's just like, what, you just said you were a Christian. Yes, I, I did. But the way you just described God, the, the way you just described hellfire, I, I don't think that's what Jesus taught. I don't think that's biblical. Now let me tell you, a, 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 a statement like that can often open some very interesting doors for you to talk about the God that you believe in the God that you see in the Bible. I think that sometimes when we, we, we get stuck in our, our bubbles, and for us it's sometimes an Adventist bubble, and we're talking to people every day who usually believe very similar to how we do, and, and what that can lead to is to sort of maybe take for granted some of the things that we believe about God and his character. Because we all, we, we agree with that. But there are a lot of people out there that have been taught differently their entire lives. Amen. So be willing to have that conversation. Represent the name of God in a positive way. Amen. Commandment number four, rest in the knowledge that God is your creator. God is your creator. That doesn't mean just to get in an argument with somebody talking about creation evolution. I mean, there, there are times for, for those conversations, but that's not fully what I'm talking about here. This goes a lot deeper. 
I appreciate what Nathan shared in the children's story because I, I think that he started to, to touch on that. The fact that God is our creator means a lot about how God looks at us, how God deals with us, how God is by our side and God is for us. And then according to Jesus, the last six commandments, they have to do with loving other people, loving other people. Sometimes people are hard to love, right? <laughs> sometimes we are hard to love. If we're willing to admit it, sometimes our words and our actions and our mindsets, it makes us hard to love. But once again, God is calling us to a higher standard here. So, if we can apply these next practical principles to our lives, we'll be able to better share the love of God with everyone that we come into contact with. So commandment number five, respect the people in your life. Not everybody has parents. Not everybody has parents. Some of us have been raised by other family members. Some of us, parents, have passed away. So if that is the case, if, 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 if my parents were passed away, does that mean that God feels that it would be okay for me to be dis disrespectful to everybody else that I come into contact with in my life? <laughs> no, no. You'll notice in Jesus' ministry, in talking about the law, that a, a lot of the times Jesus is expanding upon the law, helping people to realize that, that this goes a lot further, far-reaching than we might think at first glance. Like, well, I told mom and dad I love them, so now I can go be a jerk to anybody else, and I've, I've kept the fifth commandment. I don't know if that's the mindset that God wants us going out into the world with. I think he wants us to respect the people in our lives. Commandment number six, preserve life. Preserve life. And in these days of bullying and even cyberbullying, I think that we can better keep to the spirit of the law if we're willing to broaden it a little bit more, and look beyond simply killing someone with our hands or with a weapon. Our words can destroy or preserve life. Our actions can preserve or destroy life. Let's preserve and build up as opposed to destroying and tearing down. Commandment number seven, honor your commitments. Honor your commitments. Most people tie the seventh commandment and its talk of adultery is only being applied to married couples. I think we miss the actual intent of God when we do this. We should honor our commitments with anyone and everyone as Christians, whether they are relational, business, or religious commitments. 
honor those commitments that you have made. Number eight, respect others' property. If you respect someone else's property, not only will you abstain from stealing it, but you will also do your best to not damage or take advantage of it. Number nine, be honest and uphold truth. Be honest in your speech and uphold the truth by your actions. By your actions especially when nobody else is watching. And lastly, number 10, be satisfied with what you have. If we can learn to be satisfied with what we have, what God has blessed us with, we won't find ourselves constantly wanting what everybody else has. I'm sure you've seen the research You've heard about the fact that when it comes to anxiety and depression, that the numbers are really skyrocketing. And based on the research, a lot of this, the, the, the belief is that a lot of this goes back to our usage of social media. And think about the way that many of us use social media. We're taking a picture with a friend or taking a picture of, of some food or taking a, a selfie. Do we usually just take the picture and then post it? Or do we usually maybe take five, six, 10, 15 pictures and then we, we start whittling them down to find the perfect one, the one where my hair looks the best and no, no hair in my beard is out of whack. That's the one I'm going to post. That's usually how we do it. And so when we go on to social media and we see all these lovely pictures, and many times they are lovely pictures, and, 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 and beauty should be appreciated. But the caveat there is it's not always realistic. Now I'm not even talking about all, the, all the, the, the filters and editing that's done on the back end as well. But we go into this, this alternate reality where everything's perfect and everybody's happy. And then we go out into the real world and we realize that that is a lie. That's not true. But we see all these smiling people and we see these amazing meals. And we can't deny that. And so, well, I guess something's wrong with me. Maybe something's just wrong with my life. And do you see how that can easily lead to anxiety and depression? You're wondering what people think about you when they're having a conversation with you because you know your, your kind of nice picture you posted compared to their amazing, glorious picture and their, their life that is so extravagant. Be satisfied with what you have. I promise you, if you can get into the habit of doing that more, being thankful for what God has given to you, you will be more fulfilled in your life and less jealous of the lives of others. 
So yes, the law is about relationship. God gave us the 10 commandments for three reasons. Number one, to show us our sinfulness and thus our need for him. Number two, in order to have a better relationship with him. And three, in order to have a better relationship with others. We're not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments, but please don't throw them out. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. God's grace and forgiveness has given us salvation. Leave that up to him. But God's law has given us the opportunity to love better. And that, dear friends, is up to you. But for now, I want to invite Brandon Tzitzky to come forward, to stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge for today. And I'm going to have the benediction. But after that, if there's anybody here that you have any special needs, any special requests, maybe an amazing praise that you would like to share. Please come talk to Brandon. Come talk to me. We would love to hear from you and we would love to take your petition, take your praise to the throne of God. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious, heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your law that is good that teaches us how to love you better, that teaches us how to love others better. Lord, it shows us our sinfulness. It shows us our wretchedness. But Lord, that understanding, that reality leads us to you. And even though we are wretched and miserable and blind and naked and we're constantly messing up and we're constantly stabbing people in the backs and, and doubting ourselves and doubting you, oh Lord, you love us anyway. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. But Lord, we're thankful for it. And so Lord, as we go out into this world, help us to be more mindful of our sins, of our wretchedness that the law points out so that we don't have any room to boast. But instead, we have much more room to praise your name, to give you all the glory and honor. And Lord, help us to be better lovers of you and better lovers of mankind. Give us opportunities to share your good news with the world. Give us opportunities to live out a life in faith, believing that you've given us a new heart and you haven't sent us out alone in this mission. But Lord, we have your spirit. We ask for it now. We plead for it now. And we accept it. We give this all to you. We ask that you would help it to be our experience because we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.